0: Several, excuse me, several weeks ago, we were putting the children to bed, and I just began singing an old song. Elena said, Dad, I've never heard that song before. She said, but I sure do like it. It's a little song, it just goes like this. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, I surrender all, I All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. If that is your prayer today, would you just lift your hands? And collectively, as a body of believers, can we just surrender ourselves anew and afresh to the word of God, to the truth of God? Jesus, I thank you for the presence that's here today a mighty anointing is rippling through this house Lord and you have come to be the difference maker for some young people today you have come Lord to change the trajectory of some lives today and I surrender Lord to your will I surrender to your word I surrender Lord to what you want to do in my life and I surrender the rest of this service to your hands, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Jason. Thank you, Pastor. Wow, what a, what a lot has been said. What a depth of, of presentation has already been given. I'm aware of the clock today. I will move as quickly as I can. But uh, many of you were part of this service last time that we we did this. Many of our we have many new students here today that have not been a part of this. So we want to we want to methodically and carefully present this so that everyone understands and everyone is on board with what we were do, what we are doing today. First of all, I want to start by applauding all of our students for being here this morning. This is this is a big deal. This takes courage. If you want to know what courage looks like, you're looking at courage right here among our young people, because society does not, uh, as Pastor said, point them in this direction. There's there's not a lot of support for these types of commitments and these types of decisions, so I applaud you students for your stand and for your willingness to be a part of this service. The second thing I want to say before I get into my presentation today, or as I get into my presentation today, I want to be very clear and very uh, specific and very pointed that, We're not here today to condemn anyone who has made mistakes in the past, right? We're in a place today called grace. You're at grace, but you're also in grace. You're in God's grace. And this is a place of hope, healing, and restoration. So today can be a new beginning. If you've made mistakes in the past, the, the idea, the point is to start fresh today with a brand new future, a brighter beginning, a more abundant life going forward. So today, uh, as we present, understand that this is not to condemn any past mistakes. But if we can present in such a way, and we can make the point in such a way that we, we protect some young people who have not yet made mistakes, and if we can keep them from going too far in their life. and protect the purity that God has given them, and preserve the future that God has for them, then we're going to do it, and it's going to be worth it. So please keep that in mind. There, there are some things that God gives us, and our purity is one of those, that once we give it up, you can't get it back. Can you be forgiven? Yes, you can. Is there mercy? Absolutely. Can you be saved? Certainly. Can you get it back? The answer is no. So today we want to help our students. We want to point them in the way of purity. Now, the remainder of this service, and already you see this is far from traditional. There's very out of the box and very different. And I want to thank Pastor for his burden along this line, for his, uh, for his um, pointing us in this direction, for his covering and uh, I thank Him for that, and, and to, to surrender the remainder of this service to something that is very non-traditional, I, I appreciate. So uh, in keeping with that, I guess, I suppose, my message will be somewhat non-traditional. I'm not going to read a text right now. I'll read my text actually almost at the very end. So with those, with those thoughts and with those statements, let's, let's jump in today. I want to speak to you for the next few moments. I want to speak to you from the subject Four Reasons for Purity. Four reasons for purity. On Sunday, one week ago, a 46 year old actor by the name of Philip Hoffman was found dead in his Manhattan apartment from a drug overdose. Now, I'm not familiar with this man and his work. But the media portrays him as a very successful and a very accomplished actor, very much, to hear them tell it, somewhat of a genius in this area. The authorities have said that when they found Mr. Hoffman at the scene of his death, he had 50 envelopes of heroin in his apartment and that there was a needle sticking out of his arm. Such a tragic ending to a relatively young life. This man died alone. He died lonely and he died hopeless. Now, I don't want to exploit this event today, but it does serve as a stark reminder that what Jesus Christ said 2,000 years ago is still true. And that is, the enemy comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So, today, as we begin this journey, let me just tell you, young people, that the enemy of your soul seeks only to destroy you. And he'll use anything in his power to do that, whether it's drugs or sex or media or relationships, any foothold he can gain in your life to destroy you, he'll do it. There's a very poignant and provocative verse of Scripture found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. The wise man says simply, There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. The truth is this you cannot make decisions based on the wisdom of man or the morals of culture and expect to escape the consequences. The only true way is God's way. One of the biggest lies we're told, I believe, in our society is, is to follow your heart, to just. To follow your heart and and do what you feel you should do. The Bible tells us the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. You can't follow your heart. The only real way to be successful in life and in spirituality is to find out what thus saith the word of God. And build your foundation on the word of God students today are interested in remaining pure. I believe that they want to make a commitment and they want to live their life to honor God. And I believe that they're here today because they want their future to be everything that it can be. So let's today, I want to consider where we're at. Let's consider where we're at as a society. Let's consider where we're at as a culture. It seems. Make a blanket statement here, but it seems that everything from movies to books to websites to advertisements to songs screams at us that if it feels good, do it, and don't worry about the consequences that may result tomorrow. To put it plainly, in our society today, sex sells, and everything seemingly can be traced back to someone making a dollar somewhere. In reference to a question as to why the young entertainers like Miley Cyrus continue to push the envelope, Hunger Games star Jennifer Lawrence said the following, quote, sexualization is just kind of a part of this world. It's a part of the entertainment industry that sells. Sex sells and for some disgusting reason, young sex sells even more, end quote. Culture with its accomplices in the media, has obliterated boundaries of, of all kinds. Things that are pornographic in nature and would have been considered shameful even just a few years ago are now acceptable and, and projected as mainstream. And if you don't accept those things, if one steps back and refuses to accept those, then that person is considered strange and old-fashioned and out of touch. Consider the following quote from Author and fashion commentator Simon Dunan, in his Slate.com article entitled, Pop Stars Are Dressing Like Porn Stars, he says, quote, The latest wave of porno pop is currently raging on our screens, and Doris Day, it ain't. Most young people are totally unfazed. Everything seems totally normal. In fact, so inured are they to our oversexed culture that when they discover artists of yore on YouTube, they are totally dumbfounded by the lack of throbbing, overt sexual hotness. A cursory glance at today's porn and pop melanges will leave you wondering where it will all end. How far are we really from the day when singers will record their songs in the middle of the act itself? Not very. End quote. That's not a Christian commentator, that's not a Christian publication, that's a cultural observer. Statistics show that 80% of teen shows on television have sexual content. That's 80% of the shows geared towards teens. There are 14,000 sexual references on TV per year. To put that in perspective, on comparison, a really committed young person will come to church probably 52 times a year for about an hour and a half each time. the statistics tell us that by 18 years of age, 75% of all young people have initiated some sexual contact of some kind. By 12th grade, 47% have gone all the way, almost half. Culture has taken God's idea of love and twisted it into something That it is not, and our students are constantly and consistently bombarded with these messages that speak lie after lie after lie, and unless we speak the truth, unless we plant in their lives the truth of God's word, their lives will be headed in a downward spiral, and they will be destroyed, and that's why we're having this service today. Most Christian commentators and cultural observers from a Christian perspective agree that there are three main misconceptions teenagers have about sex. And these misconceptions come from the culture. They come from these things that I've just presented to you. The, The first main misconception young people have about sex is, number one, that it is no big deal. It is a big deal. It's a God deal and we're going to explore that. Number 2, they they believe that sex has no consequences. That's a lie meant to destroy them. Third and finally, the the misconception is is that if you have sex with someone, it equals love and affection. This is a lie being perpetrated by the media. This is what culture teaches. This is what's being normalized. And I wish today that I could say the statistics were better in our church and in our Christian movement. But unfortunately, the statistics do not say that. Recently, uh, RelevantMagazine.com published the findings uh, of a survey they did. And there are two faith-oriented singles websites that they, uh, that they surveyed. Uh, one was called JDate, which is a Jewish singles site. The other one is called Christian Mingle. They found that 63% of those polled would have sex before marriage. And 87% said it would be okay to cohabit with someone before tying the knot. Another study suggests that a full 80% of Christian young people ages 18 to 29 have had sexual intercourse. And this is, again, why we're having this service today. The statistics are overwhelming. The message is not being portrayed. It's not getting across. And if the pulpit is silent, if our church is silent, if our youth workers are silent, the message is not being reinforced by culture. But as bleak as this picture may sound, and as startling as some of these statistics are, I believe that these young people here today, and that the moms and dads that have gathered to support them are willing to take a stand against culture and against sin. I believe that you've come to set your face like a flint and say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Daniel and his three friends didn't have a whole lot of support that day in ancient Babylon, but they were supernaturally equipped to look a world system in the eye and say we will not bow. We will not sacrifice God-given eternal values on the altar of what feels good and on the altar of the inconsequential. And as we look down through the epochs of time, our voices join with those voices from ancient times. It says there's still somebody in 2014 that is blood bought, that is blood washed, that is Holy Ghost filled, and that we are the young people of today. And we will stand and we will say we will fight back. We will stand for purity and we will stand for conviction can't get brother holland's message out of my mind where he preached fight back fight back we don't have to stand and just sit by and and let it happen and and just watch it happen but we can take a stand and we can fight back moving quickly there are many reasons for purity but let me give you four today the first one as i hurry is for your salvation the first reason for purity is your salvation your salvation. A lot of people don't realize that the Bible is not silent on this topic. It has much to say, and that's where I said earlier, God, this is a God idea, this is a God uh, plan, this is a God ordained um, concept. And so, let me just take a few moments, I'm going to take a little time here, but let me take a few moments. I want to take you through some scriptures that are very, very pertinent here, because the Bible makes it a salvation issue. The Bible makes it a heaven or hell issue. This is not just a good idea. It's not just a worthy and lofty ideal. This is a heaven or a hell issue, and your salvation may depend on it. So let me go through these scriptures with you, and if you've never heard them preached before, after today, you will. 1 Corinthians 6, 13. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. 1 Corinthians six fifteen through 20 Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take then the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What, know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Colossians 3, 5 through 6, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, For which thing's sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Nathan, I'm going to skip to Romans. And I was intending to read quite a a large portion of Romans. And I'm going to shorten that due to the sake of time. But in Romans chapter 1, Paul lists a a litany of sins. Among them, fornication. He talks about uh, how mankind just essentially... Uh, just is in a downward spiral in their in, in own flesh. We, we go from bad to worse, not the other way, when we're left to our own devices. And he concludes by saying um, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Again, he also lists fornication in this list earlier. Verse 32, he says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit things, these such things are worthy of death, not only who do the same, but who take pleasure in them that do them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. Walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints and finally 1st Thessalonians 4:3 for this is the will of God even your sanctification that ye should flee from fornication or abstain from fornication why is the bible so adamant about this topic why is the bible so sincere and so serious about purity well there are a lot of reasons and we'll talk about a couple of those but as we move forward understand that for every thou shalt not god gives two Positives, always, for every thou shalt not, God always gives two positives. The first is to protect us from something. And the second is to provide something very beautiful to us. Always, always to protect and to provide. So the next reason then is something that God is protecting us from. The next reason for purity is your health. Your health. It just makes good health sense to stay pure. Now there are more statistics on STDs and STIs, as they're being called more and more, than I have time to give you. And <clears throat> excuse me, knowing the uh, wide age range uh, of the audience today, there's there's no point in going into all of the of the details of what they are and what they're called and these things. But suffice it to say this: there are 30 known STDs at least in our world today that can be contracted. Suffice it also to say this. That statistically, should you choose to be sexually active outside of the parameters of marriage, the odds are overwhelmingly against you and you will most likely contract some sort of STD of some kind. <clears throat> According to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, there are 100 million known cases of STDs, STIs as they're called, in the United States right now. There are 20 million new cases of STDs every year. More to the point and more relevant to our students today is the fact that sexually active teenagers are more likely to be depressed. Sexually active girls are two times more likely to attempt suicide. With guys, it's six times more likely to attempt suicide. There's always consequences when we choose not to do it God's way. There's always a reason. There's always something he's protecting us from. Dr. Meeker wrote a book way back now, 10 years ago, 11 years ago in 2003. She called the book simply Epidemic, Epidemic. And she wrote this. She said, in 2003, we are living in the midst of a public health epidemic of sexually transmitted disease among 12 to 18-year-old children and an epidemic of depression related to much of this promiscuous activity she goes on to say what I have seen in my beautiful quiet and suburban northern Michigan practice is occurring nationwide and when I turned to the medical literature two years ago to see uh, if what I was experiencing was unique I found that the CDC talks about the hidden epidemic of 15 million new cases of STDs per year now I just told you that number is 20 10 years ago it was 15 million we're not moving in the right direction she said there was at the time 15 million new cases every year of STD. She said two thirds of those are people under the age of 25. She said they're my patients, your children, the kids on your kids' basketball and soccer teams and ballet recitals. <clears throat> Excuse me. She goes on to list statistic after statistic, and, and it's mind numbing and it's startling if you're a parent or a youth worker. But she concludes by saying this she says, We have the answer. It's abstinence education. She says, many opponents of abstinence say it doesn't work, but it does work all the time. And kids are willing to learn it. The question is, are we willing to teach it? End quote. This is a medical doctor. This is not a pastor or a preacher. It's not a Christian per se. It's a medical doctor speaking about the e- epidemic in our world today among teenagers and STDs. That's something that God is protecting us from. Now let's talk about one of His provisions, because you see, with every when when we talk about the consequences of failing to do it God's way, there's always a beautiful provision if we do do it God's way. And so the next reason for purity is simply your future, your future. God has made a beautiful, beautiful provision. For your future <clears throat> I'll tell you a little story about a girl named Rebecca. Rebecca was your typical neighborhood girl in America, a teenager. She grew up with lots of friends. she was quite popular, lived in a very a fairly stable home. Life, of course, was not perfect for her, just like it's not perfect for any, anyone. but overall she had it pretty good. She was pretty. She was kind, she was lovable, she was athletic, she was smart. In fact, several of her friends were a bit envious of her lifestyle and wanted to be her in so many ways. But then in Rebecca's sophomore year, Hunter came along. Now Hunter had the reputation of being a little rebellious. He was not a lawbreaker, but he had a mischievous streak in him. And after hanging out with Rebecca for just a few weeks, he finally convinced her to sleep with him. That was a big, big mistake. Sadly, Hunter quickly moved on after that. After all, why hang around after you got what you were really wanting? Rebecca's grade slipped a little bit, and that's understandable because, of course, she was very sad. But she was consoled by her friends And had just started getting over the pain and guilt of her decision when Trevor came on the scene. Trevor was in her youth group at church. And was just trying to help her get through a very difficult circumstance. But it wasn't long until they crossed the line. This one hurt pretty badly. Not only has she made the uh, same mistake twice, but this was with a guy that told her he loved her. This one really burned. Rebecca's heart was crushed now, wounds just unspeakable. Some of her friends began to distance themselves from her. She was somewhat different now, a different person. And so when Michael started hanging around, it was real easy to fall back into some very, very bad decisions. You guessed it. Junior year came more painful experiences. During her senior year, she didn't even try. There was Jimmy, Randy. Hunter came back in after a while for a short time and left Rebecca feeling very sad, very used, and very lonely. Fortunately, this is not where the story ends because another man, young man, came in her life in her college college year, college senior year. His name was Isaiah. And Isaiah was committed to God's idea of purity. He heard about Rebecca's past, and he loved her anyway. He loved her through it. And at first, Rebecca thought it was too good to be true, but she quickly realized this was a, a God a God's man. He was after God's own heart, and he wanted to do what was best for her and for them. And it wasn't long that... Isaiah proposed, and they got married. It was a small wedding by most standards, but it was sweet. It was anointed of God, and the pastor gave them their blessing, his blessing. And as they rushed to their honeymoon cabin by the sea, that night Isaiah, being committed to God's idea of purity, presented Rebekah with his very best. He gave her his very best. And as Rebecca began to be very emotional at a very uh, special time, Isaiah asked, Why would you be so emotional and so distraught at a time like this? And that's when Rebecca silently revealed to him her rose. You see, God gave you your virginity, your purity for your future. He gave it to you to be shared in the beautiful parameters of marriage. But as young people, as students, it's very difficult to look into our future. It's very difficult to think beyond the test tomorrow the get together next weekend. It's very difficult to think in terms of next year and future years and four years and five years down the line. But for every one of you, God has that perfect mate he has a spouse, a husband, a wife, and he wants you to experience something so beautiful and so perfect, so God-made, so God-ordained in your life. And you can throw it all away in just one bad decision, just one bad moment, just one careless mistake. You can throw away a whole future of beauty and, and just perfectness that God has. Your future depends on your choices today your future very much hinges on your choices today i've got to hurry let me give you the final fourth reason that i want to talk to you about today and this is really what i want to what i want to preach if i could say anything to you today young people this 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 is my heartbeat this is my this is the word god gave me for today second samuel chapter 23 Verse 13 through 17, a somewhat uh, obscure story perhaps. We don't hear it preached very often. Let me just read it to you very quickly. It's a short, short passage. Three of the 30 chief went down. This is talking about David and his mighty men. They went down in the harvest time into the cave of Ajulam. And the troops of the Philistines essentially were camped out in Bethlehem. So it was David and his mighty men against the Philistines. David was in a hole. He was at base camp, basically. The Philistines were at a stronghold in Bethlehem. In verse 15, David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. The three mighty men loyal to David, his, his most con- uh, just uh, confidants and, and most trusted advisors and, and warriors, said, they, the, uh, the Bible says they break through the host of the Philistines drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Now watch. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And look at what he said. He said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. Now understand in this battle it's raging David's thirsty David knows that there's no better water than the water in Bethlehem and everything inside of him is crying out for that water his flesh cries out for the water he even has a right to the water we might think but he had a different take altogether he said you know what I can't do this and sin against my God it's too precious it's too valuable it was purchased with much too high a price to do anything other than to pour it out before my God. And so David refused to indulge in what might have been rightfully his. And he poured it out before almighty God. Students, your virginity, your purity is something that God has given you. And it's something that you have control over. And today the call is For young people who will say, far be it from me, O God, that I should sin a sin before you. Rather, I am committed to my calling and to my relationship with Jesus. And I'm willing to pour my life out on the altar of commitment. I'm willing to pour out my life on an altar of consecration and sacrifice. Regardless of what everyone else may be doing around me. Regardless of a culture and a world system that may say something totally opposite. I will say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Another reason I believe that David poured that out before before the Lord that day. The, the, The commentaries will tell you that he was running from Saul during this time. I guess he had two enemies going, Philistines and Saul. This was before he became king. But David knew that he had a future. He knew that God had anointed him to be king. He knew that there was a throne in his future. And he knew that if he poured his life out before God, and if he lived dedicated to God, if he lived consecrated to God... God would take him to the destiny that was his. If there's anything that I'm passionate about today, it's to tell our students and our young people that God has a destiny for you. You have calling on your life. You have future in your life. You have potential in your life. Don't let something like the backseat of a car and sexual impurity derail you from the call that God has placed on your life. You have a future. So I conclude now. Casey, if you'd come. I conclude. I do want to leave you with this. I feel compelled to conclude in this manner. As as difficult as the, the presentation, the statistics, the things you know intuitively about our world, as difficult as all that sounds, I do want to tell you, and I want to encourage our students, not everyone is doing it. Not everyone is doing it. Newlyweds Sean Lowe and Catherine Giducci, stars of The Bachelor, waited until marriage to consummate their love. At least according to a lie detector test they took on Jimmy Kimmel Live. The Christian couple vowed to abstain from sex until marriage. A vow that Kimmel was doubtful about until the results came in. And when they came in, Kimmel, Kimmel was at a rare loss for words. All he could say was a wow. That was just a few days ago on abcnews.com. And his reaction, his skepticism, his doubt tells us a lot about where we are as a culture. Tim Tebow, much has been said about him. I won't dwell there too long, but he's been very outspoken about his virginity uh, and very much has taken a stand for purity, even in a high-pressure profile that he is. One of the more interesting ones that, I, that I've come to learn about You may want to keep an eye on her. Her name is Lolo Jones. I think her first name is Lori. They call her Lolo. She was a track standout actually at LSU. She won four NCAA titles and uh, also was an All-American. She ran in the London Olympics. And uh, when she did not win a gold medal, she uh, signed up to run the bobsled in the Sochi Olympics because she wants to do everything she can to win a gold medal. It's one one of her goals in life. And so she has been very outspoken about her virginity. And she says this, quote, it's just something, and she's 29 years old, it's just something, a gift that I want to give my husband. But please understand this journey has been hard. If there's virgins out there, I'm going to let them know it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Harder than training for the Olympics, harder than graduating from college, has been to stay a virgin before marriage, end quote. Giants, uh, New York Giants starting cornerback Prince Amya Kamarara has said in an interview just recently with Muscle & Fitness that he's never had a drink in his life and he remains a virgin. He goes on in the article to talk about his relationship with Jesus Christ. So they're not often talked about. They're not often heralded. They're not often promoted. But there are people in our world that have decided to do it God's way. And I'm looking at a great group of students that are here today to say we're going to do it God's way. Why don't you stand with me tonight, today? Today, the message has been about the why of purity. In the concluding moments of this service, I just want to encourage you and leave you with something to take home with you. There is, there is a how. There is a how to achieve purity. One is to take place in a purity ceremony just like this. Two is to have an accountability partner, an adult that you can hold yourself accountable to. Stay close to God and put yourself in an environment and in in uh, relationships of people that are going to take you closer to God and not further from God, be careful who you choose to hang around with. We're going to transition now into our purity ceremony, into our purity covenant. covenant. And again, I want to say there are two groups of people here. There's those that may have made mistakes in the past. Today is the day for a new beginning. Today is today to say, and you'll see it in the covenant, it says from this day forward. Not talking about mistakes of the past, from this day forward. And then there's those students that have remained pure to this point. This is an opportunity for you to pledge even further and be even more adamant that we're going to be pure going forward. You're pledging in front of a body of believers that supports you, that is committed to helping you. Stay pure. You're, st- you're committing in front of moms and dads that will walk with you hand in hand all the way. So this is very much, very much a moment of reverence. It's a special moment. It's a, it's a moment not to be taken lightly. But at the same time, it's, a, it's kind of a moment of celebration too. We're here to celebrate, celebrate the commitment that our students are making. So I'm going to ask you, here's what we're going to do. I've asked Courtney and Farrah to come and they're going to stand by the table. And that's just simply to help you find your, your uh, purity covenant. And make sure that everybody gets squared away because they're, uh, they're, they're by name. Now if you're a guest with us today. Uh, if, you're, if you're not a regular attendee to grace. We have a card for you too. Your name won't be on it. But we do have a, a covenant card for you. The regulars, our students. You're, you'll see one there with your name on it. So what I want you to do. Very quickly, as we maintain a spirit of prayer, as we maintain an atmosphere of reverence, I want our students to come forward with an adult, uh, either your parent, your guardian, if there's a spiritual voice in your life, but some significant adult in your life. I want you to come forward, get your covenant, and then just just find a place along the front, and we'll get ready for our our ceremony. Come now, come quickly, uh, just as, as quickly and as orderly as we can. Uh, if you would come forward and do that right now. Church, this is beautiful. we need to we need to understand how beautiful this is. How precious this is. Hallelujah. This is beautiful. All are welcome to come. If if there's an adult that wants to participate, if you're not necessarily in the youth group, that's okay. Anybody that wants to participate, you're welcome to come. You're welcome to come. The focus is our students, but it doesn't have to to be students only. All are welcome. All are welcome. Students, you are about to commit to something that you will never ever regret. There will be no regrets for this commitment, and I want to be the first to commend you for your choice today. It's not an easy choice, but it is the best choice, and I make a commitment personally to pray for you going forward in your commitment. The first thing we're going to do uh, as moms and dads, as as adults and as students, we're going to spend just a moment repenting before God. We, we, We want to make this purity going forward, so let's just corporately repent before God of any impurity in our life of any of any type of any kind. let's pray and, and repent and ask God to cleanse our vessels today. Father, we're standing in a very holy place we're standing in the presence of Almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all Lords and your holiness God is what demands repentance because unclean man cannot stand in presence of holy God. And so today we cry out as we see you face to face. We cry out in repentance, God. Woe are we, for we are unclean. Lord, but you are here today to purge us. You are here to cleanse our minds, to cleanse our lives, to cleanse our spirits and to cleanse our vessels, God. Purify us, God. As we repent to you or repent before you of impurity and uncleanness, God, cleanse us today of all unrighteousness. Search our hearts, O God. Know our ways. Try us, O God. See if there be any wicked way and set us free, O God. Create in us a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within us, O God. Cleanse us in the refining fire of your presence, Lord. In the refining purity of your power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Students, as you... Prepare to do this. Let me just say one more thing. This is not about. Let, let me say this in the right spirit. This is about being pure on your wedding day. Okay. It is about being pure on your wedding day. It very much is. But more than that. It's about belonging to Jesus. On judgment day. It's about living a life pure and holy. According to the biblical mandates of the word of God. And presenting yourself pure and spotless and unblameless on that day when we will stand before him and to hear him say, well done. That's what this is ultimately all about. Adults, parents, if you will face your students at this point, whether you're a parent, legal guardian, godly, role model, mentor, if you will face your students and if you will say to them, but repeat after me, because I love you, and believe in the work that God is doing in your life. I give you this covenant. May it be a constant reminder of your commitment to purity before God, before this church, and as God's will and as God wills before your future marriage partner. Students, if you will repeat after me, speaking to your parent or adult. Believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, and my future children. To a lifetime of purity, including sexual abstinence from this day until the day that I enter a biblical marriage relationship. God bless you. If you will sign your covenant now in the presence of your adult, and then we're going to pray again. How beautiful. How beautiful. Hey, understand, this is not done everywhere. Even in mainstream denominational Christianity, this is not given the seriousness and the weight that it should be. This is very unique among our church, and I am thankful for it. I'm proud of the courage of our families. As you finish signing those now, would you pray together as, as a family, as, as a as teenager and parent, would you pray for one another? And I'm going to pray God's blessing on our families. Jesus, what a demonstration what a commitment what a day what a moment lord supercharge our families lord supercharge our home endow them with power from on high to live these commitments that have been made lord give them courage god give them strength give them unity lord i play i pray a blood covering lord i pray a hedge of protection I pray the blood of Jesus Christ over our students, over our children, over our moms and our dads. I pray, I pray, I pray, and I invoke the name of Jesus Christ on their lives. I invoke the precious blood of Jesus Christ on their lives. In Jesus' name, that's it, would you just take a moment and minister to one another? It's a God moment, it's a beautiful moment. It's a precious moment, and I don't want to let it pass me by. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the purity that is your presence. Thank you for the purity that is your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands together? Again, I commend you on your purpose to you in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name that's it that's it thank you so much for your commitment today God bless you in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah thank you brother